discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Give the Lord a shout if you have a voice. Louis! Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house, to serve you, to worship you, to love you. And thank you for the power of your word, the power of your spirit that are present in this place. We receive your word with meekness, with gladness, with joy, with excitement, with great expectations. Thank you that doubts are dissolved in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you that depression flies away as we hear your word. And thank you that we are promoted and elevated and exalted to your glory even as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Beautiful. You may kindly take your seats in the heavenly places where you belong. It's always a blessing to be with you. It's always a blessing to share with you. Hallelujah. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yes. Hallelujah. So I'm, I've been sharing with you on the present day ministry of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm going to continue sharing with that. The present day ministry of Jesus Christ. And today I want to share with you on how Jesus Christ is our advocate or our lawyer. We have a lawyer. Hallelujah. Remember, Jesus is our high priest, isn't it? That's the first thing I mentioned to you. Nobizo. And I mentioned how that Jesus as our high priest accomplished the, the huge work of redemption by absorbing us from, from the nature of sin and the fruits of sin, if you remember. How many of you remember what I'm saying? Hebrews chapter 9. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. I've shared on this already, but I just want to show it to you briefly. Hebrews chapter 9. Let me read from verse 26 so that it makes more sense for it. it says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He appeared to put away what? Sin. That's the nature of sin. Do you see? Well, it's called eternal redemption. If you go up, you see it go to same book, same chapter, but now verse 11. Wow. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, Jesus by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So, brothers and sisters, we are eternally redeemed by virtue of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. So it's a choice. If you want to be born again, you get born again and you receive eternal redemption. It becomes a practical experience in your life. You see, Jesus has accomplished it. Now, legally, it is, it is um, something that exists for all those who are interested. If you're interested in salvation, when you get born again, you, you become eternally redeemed. Just, the way, just as you get born again by your own will, you can also get out by your own will. So even though we, are, we have eternal redemption, you can also leave. Okay? You can also exit on ways I'm going to talk about once saved, forever saved. And the things it comes with. Hey, there's something called Arminianism and Calvinism. Yes, there's old-time, old-school Calvinism and modern-day Calvinism. I'm going to talk about that on Wednesday. Okay, so that you have a good... Because some people think that, oh, I'm eternally saved. There's eternal redemption for me. So it means that, Charlie, Charlie, I will spoil there. I'll do a lot of things. It means that you have... There's something wrong with you. You're a child. You get it. Uh-huh. So I'm going to talk about those ones too on Wednesday. So we are, we, he's obtained eternal redemption. Instead of being grateful that Jesus has obtained eternal redemption for you, you want to fool around. It doesn't make any sense. Why some people are like that. So go, go down again to 26. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as is appointed unto man, unto men once to die, but after this judge, the judgment... So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. You see, sins, that's in plural form. He's talking about the fruits of sin. So Jesus appeared to take care of the nature of sin and the fruits of sin, or the seed and tree of sin and also the fruits of sin. Hallelujah. So he says, so Christ once offered, was, was once, once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hallelujah. Very powerful things. And I shared, see, I shared a lot about these things, these verses, the last time I met you. So today we are going on to another thing that Jesus uh, represents. What he's doing, his present day ministry. What is Jesus doing right now? Is Jesus doing something right now? Emphatically, yes, he's doing something right now. Apart from all the beautiful things he has accomplished in redemption for us, he's also doing something right now. He's ascended and he's seated on the right hand of the Father, not the right-hand side. Right-hand side is just a place of position. Do you see? She is sitting on his right-hand side. But the Bible does not talk about the right-hand side. The Bible talks about the right hand. Okay? The Bible talks about what? The right hand. Look at um, Hebrews chapter, look, look at chapter 8 verse 1. It is now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Not on the right hand side. Have you seen it? On the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Look at Romans. There's plenty of places where it talks about right hand. Romans chapter 8. Let's read from verse 33. Who shall say any, lay anything to the charge of, the God, of God's elect? It is God that justified. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, not at the right hand side of God, at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So the right hand is actually a place of authority, not a place of, not positional, not position. It's a place of what? 
authority. So what he's trying to let you know that know is that Jesus is the one to whom all authority has been given. The right hand is a place of authority. He has all the authority, all the power in the universe. If you remember in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus appeared to his disciples and he said to them, go to verse 18. He says, in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke unto them saying, all power, the word power here is not dunamis. There are two words for power in the Greek. The Greek is richer than the English. That is why pastors who learn the Bible will tell you the Greek word is this. It's not because we want to speak Greek. It's because the Greek is higher. You get it? The Greek language has 20, over 20,000 words. Eh? Over 20,000 words. words. And the English has just 5,000 words. So it's at least, it is at least 15,000 words richer than the English. For instance, in the Greek, there are several words for love. Okay? Several words for love. There's agape, which is the God kind of love. There's eros, which is desire. Do you get it? Maybe you want to eat cake. You like cake. You say, ah, I, I like cake. I love cake. Do you see? But in the Greek, you can't say I love cake just like that. You should say I eros cake. A Grecian will say, I, he will not say I agape cake. You see, I eros cake. Do you see? You love your family. Stoigos or stoigio. That's a different word for family. Do you see? Uh-huh. Then you, you have a friend you like, you love. Oh, I love my friend. That's Philadelphia. The, or Philio. Do you see? Brotherly love, Philio. Uh-huh. So let's say you want to say, Ah, I love my family. I love my friends. I love cake. And I love my wife. You see, in the English, it's all love, love, love. We don't know what you are talking about. Do you get it? You have to think to know what is being said. Or it's not true. Uh -huh. But in the Greek, you can use different words, and the person will know what you are talking about. So you say, I stole you, my family. I feel you, my friends. I eros kick. And I agape my wife. Uh -huh. So it's not because like we want to think that we are some wild people. We are trying to quote Greek where like Greek... No, it's because the Greek is richer. That's why we normally say Greek. This is the Greek word. Hey. Uh -huh. So in this particular place, there are two different words for power. If you read in the English, you would think he's talking about another kind of thing, something else. But he's talking about authority. This particular one is exousia. All exousia, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Do you see? Jesus has all authority. Every principality, every power, everything you can think about is subject to him. He's seated in the place of power. Can you imagine we are also seated together with him in heavenly places? Can you imagine? Isn't it amazing? Are you a child of God? You are seated in the place of power. Don't be moving around like you are, like you are nothing. Like, as I'm moving around, I'm moving around like I don't know what will happen to me. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. It says, And God has raised us up together. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised together with Jesus. When Adam sinned, were you there when Adam sinned? How many of you were there when Adam sinned? You were not there. But you believe that you were a sinner. <laughs> I mean, everybody, even though Christ has even redeemed us and has said that we have been redeemed, everybody still feels that we are sinners. Adam Nana. And you can have a child of God who's calling himself Adam Nana, or Adam's grandson, or Adam's, Adam's granddaughter. Hey, 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What Adam did affected humanity even though we were not there. Yes. Everyone born of a woman is born into sin. In the same way, everyone who is born of God is also born into Christ and into righteousness. So if you believe in Adam's wrong and the power that it carries, believe in Jesus' rights and the power it carries. Believe in Jesus' obedience. Believe much more in Jesus' obedience and the power that his obedience carries. Yes. It's in the Bible, Romans chapter 5 and 74. By one, for if by one man's offense, who is that one man? Adam. Death reigned by one. How much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ? Jesus has obeyed. And hence we have been brought. Anyone who, who, who believes in what Jesus did is made righteous and taken away from sin. So go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter, chapter 2 verse 6 where we're reading. It says, And God has also raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Jesus seated? Jesus is seated on the right hand of God, which is the place of authority. And the Bible is telling us here that we are also seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As he says, sitting in the place of authority, we are seated in him, in the place of authority. Brothers and sisters, you are more powerful. You have authority. You see, authority is different from physical power, dunamis. And dunamis has to do with physical strength, inherent strength, ability to do certain things by virtue of what is inside you. Jesus has dunamis. There's dunamis as well. But then, there's something called authority that Jesus has, which we have with him. We have his authority. When he received the authority, he shared it with us. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with physical strength. So you have ability to command demons around. You have ability to tell demons to get out of your house and they'll get out of your house. You have ability to... to you are too powerful. That's what I'm trying. You have so much authority. No matter how big the devil or the demon is. When you lift your hand and say, my friend, stop where you are and move away, the demon will move away. That is what, that's the power you have. Hallelujah. I thought you'd be happy about it. Thank you very much. You can take your seat. So God has raised us up together with, with Christ Jesus and has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated on the right hand of God. In Christ Jesus. And Jesus is seated on the right hand of God, having all authority for the purpose of defending you. Can you imagine? Jesus didn't have to go and sit on the right hand of authority. But because of you and I, because of Christians, Jesus is seated on the right hand of God for a purpose. To be our high priest. I've showed you all those things. And also to be our advocate. Advocate of what? Our lawyer. Be our lawyer. If you read the Bible, we see that we have two lawyers. We have one lawyer. Every Christian has two lawyers. One lawyer here on earth and another lawyer there in heaven. The first lawyer who is here on earth is called the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14. Let's read from verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is, just, this is Jesus talking, okay? If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, same Greek things, okay? The word another. There are two words for another in the Greek. There's alos, and then there's heteros, Okay? 
when we say alus, alus has to do with another of the same kind. And when we say heteros, we are talking about another of a different kind. Do you understand? For instance, Pastor Les, stand up. Pastor Kia, you can also come. Are they both wearing shirts? Is he of the same kind? It's not of the same kind. So if we are going to use the Greek, we'll say, Pasekia is wearing another shirt. Heteros shirt. Please, do you understand? Heteros what? So when we say another, in this respect, it has to do with another of a different kind. Then there's another of the same kind. Same what? Kind. I'm trying to see what I can use as an example. Uh -huh, these people. These people. You see, even though they are wearing the same shirt, this one can also be described as heteros because the size is different. So if in a Grecian, a Grecian will not say, oh, they are wearing the same uh, uh, shirt. You see, the writings are the same, everything, but the size is different. So you say heteros. She's wearing another shirt of a different kind. Even though the color is the same, the writings are the same, everything is the same. But the shirt size is not the same. Do you understand? So the other Greek word for another is alos, which has to do with another of the same kind. Same color, same writings, same size. Do you get it? Same color, same size, same writing, same everything is the same. Same material, same everything. Same, same stitching, same everything. Do you understand? So Jesus was saying that I will pray the Father and he will send you another. Alos. Alos. Another of the same kind. Someone who looks like me, talks like me, thinks like me, chooses like me, behaves like me. That's what? Moves like me. That's everything like there's no difference between me and the person. And Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus. Unlimited. Because Jesus could only be in one. Jesus was a physical human being. He is God's perfect man and man's perfect God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? He could only be in one place, physically. He couldn't be everywhere at the same time. But Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Another who's just like me. Looks like me, talks like me, thinks like me, does everything like me. Who is of the same kind who is going to be with you forever. Hallelujah. Okay, go to verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will, I mean Jesus, no, I will come to you. How am I going to come to you? I'm going to come to you as the Holy Spirit. Do you get it? Now go back to verse 16. So Jesus said, and I'll pray the Father and it shall give you another, allos comforter, another comforter. The word comforter too has so many Greek words. That's, that we, when we say comforter in the English, you are thinking about someone who will say, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Maybe someone passed on. Oh, don't worry. Everything will be fine. Everything will be okay. Oh, I, it's, well. it's well. But this, that's, not the, that's not the only thing he's talking about. He's talking about something deeper. So the Amplified shows us the other words that the word counselor, okay, which is translated as parakletos in the Greek, mean. Okay? There are seven other words that can mean the same thing that the Greek is trying to say in the English. Can you imagine? So he says, and ask, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Then he mentions counselor. Okay? Helper. So the comforter is a counselor. The comforter is what? A counselor. The comforter is a helper. The comforter is an intercessor. 
The comforter is an advocate. And the comforter is a strengthener. And the comforter is a standby. The Holy Spirit is all these things to us. So when you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a ministry in you. There's a ministry of the Holy Spirit in you. And there's a ministry of the Holy Spirit with you. Which are two different things altogether. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in you is to accomplish these things. To be a counselor for you. To be a helper for you. To be an intercessor for you. To be an advocate for you. The word advocate is actually lawyer. The French people. How do you say lawyer in French? Avocat. 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 Not av avocado. Avocat is actually, the English is advocate. It spells the same way. Can you imagine? So the Holy Spirit has been sent by God to be our advocate. Our lawyer. So we have a lawyer here on earth with us. And the Holy Spirit is here with us. Remember, Jesus said that he shall remain with you forever. Are you here? Yeah. He's, so he's here with you. He says he shall be in you. He shall be he's with you and shall be in you. That's in the next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 16. Verse 17 rather. Sorry. Yes. Even the spirit of truth is letting you know that he's not talking about somebody else. The one he's talking about is not Muhammad. Or somebody. Some people say it's Muhammad. It's not Muhammad. Or another person. The one he describes in verse 16, he lets you know who it is. It's even the spirit of truth. Who is the Holy Spirit? Whom the world cannot receive because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. How was he dwelling with them? He was dwelling with them in the presence of Jesus. And he was going to be in them in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you saying it? Are you in the church or have gone home? Should I go home or something? For he dwells with you and shall be in you. So the Holy Spirit is our advocate who is dwelling in us and with us here on earth. Apart from our lawyer here on earth, we also have another lawyer in the heavens. Each at the right hand of God. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. Look at 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. If any man sin, he says, these things write down to my little children, these things write down unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate with who? With the Father. So we have one advocate with us here, and in us here, and we have another advocate with the Father. I mean, if you have lawyers defending you, not one lawyer, you have lawyers. Two very powerful lawyers. Lawyers who are twins. They are, they are more than twins because twins have different tamperings and different dentition and different irises and all of that. But this one is the same, another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit is here with you physically and Jesus is there in the heavens, seated at the right hand of God as an advocate, a lawyer for you. A lawyer who does not, he has never lost a case. A lawyer who never loses his cases. Hey, are you excited about this lawyer who does not, he does not lose cases though. He has never lost a case. Wow. That is Jesus. That is his present day ministry. His present day ministry is to be a lawyer for you. You see, when you do something wrong, eh? When you do something wrong as a child of God. Okay, let's, let's read it properly so that we can understand it well. Let's read from chapter 1 verse 9. Okay, let's read from verse 8 so that we can even understand it well. Because it said, continue, nobody, the, the, the Bible was not written in verses and in chapters. There was one cardinal called Cardinal Hugo. Okay, somewhere in the 17th century. 
who brought the chapters and the verses to make it easy for us to refer. So I can preach and say, go to 1 John chapter 3. Do you see? At first, we'll just say, let's go to 1 John. And then we'll be looking. We'll be looking for where we want to read. Hey! Yes. So that was what Jesus did. When Jesus went to uh, uh, his hometown, to Nazareth, and he took the scroll of Isaiah. The Bible says they gave him the scroll the, uh, of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And when he took it, he found the place. He looked for the place where it was written. He had to look for it. Uh, this is Luke chapter 4, verse 17. It says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So he had to look for it. He found it. That was how we were doing it before. You, you have to find. And then he spoke what was written there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, blah, blah. He said that. Hallelujah. Yeah. But because it will be difficult to find, by the time I'm finding 1 John, 3, uh, 1 John 2 for you, we would have closed the service. So this card now brought the chapters and the verses and all of that. Do you get it? But it's one long read. Okay? So go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Are you learning anything or you're not learning anything? It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What sin do you think he's talking about here? There are two kinds. There's the nature of sin and then the fruits of sin. The nature of sin has been dealt with by Jesus Christ, you remember? And the fruit of sin has also been dealt with by Jesus Christ. But because of this flesh and because you are in this world, you can do something wrong. You can stumble. Or you have never done anything wrong before. Even this morning you have said something or you have thought about something. Or ask your neighbor, what have you done this morning? Sorry, but I don't want to know, but you, what have you done? Yeah, I mean, you, you know it yourself. Hey! Yeah. There are things that fly through your mind. There are th- you, you commit errors. Isn't it true? Yeah. Apart from all the wild things you know to do, doubt is also a sin. Doubt. Doubt. Unbelief is a sin. It's a, the sin of unbelief. Yes, pride is a sin. Pride. Let's say when you were trying to sit down, the usher said, oh, sit here, and you said, I don't like you. It's, that's pride. That's, that's it's also there. <laughs> Unforgiveness is, is, a, is a sin. Unforgiveness is also a sin. Not praying for your sheep is a sin. So maybe you are only thinking about fornication and other things. It's also a, they are all sins, but then there are also other, other ones that are also sin. Yes. Someone said, God forbid that I should commit the sin of not ceasing to pray for you. It's a sin to not pray for the sheep that God has committed to you. So John says that if we say we have, we have no sin, we deceive. You cannot say that you have no, something has not been done. You have not said something or you have not thought about something. I mean, we are on our way to perfection. But none of us are perfect. If you are perfect, you should not be here. The church is for perfecting the saints. There are many things that the saints do or, or do not do. There's iniquity and there's transgression. Iniquity has things that are inside. Like you, have, you are not saved, but it's inside you. You hate the person. You hate this girl. Yes, you wish the person to for the person to die. Yes, you have an you have she's your enemy. You have marked her. I swear, my father can't turn her. You see what will happen. You see, but when you see her, you smile. Hello, but in your heart, you have you you bounce me. This boy, you this boy, you this girl, you bounce me. You see, I'll show you. I'll become a rich man. I'll become a rich man. You see what I'll do to you. Brother, you are blocking your chance of becoming a rich man 
because of what is in your heart and what is in your mind. Hey! Hmm. So John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If the truth is in you, you will know that even your thoughts are not correct. Yes. Sometimes you can be doing worship. All glory to the Lord. What are some of the worship songs we, we, we sing? Awesome God, how great thou art. Then it will come into your head. Ah, the lady, she's not singing a song where it should have been. Awesome God. Has it happened to you before? Uh, as we are doing the worship. Yeah. Then things are entering your heart, things are entering your mind. Why, why is she dressed like that? Why, why are they that jama? Why are they not see? Why are they even doing jama? So you are doing jama. You are there. And then, this is I don't know what is all this. What? Hey. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Yes, it is supposed to make you humble. Yes, you realize actually you there's something wrong. So you can you, your need for Christ and his his cleansing blood, his cleansing ability, the cleansing ability of his blood to work in your life continuously. It's very, very important though. If we say we have not, we have no we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Next verse 9. If we confess our sins, so he's talking about the fruits, the things we do. Okay, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. We are not faithful to keep with him, keep in touch with him. But he is faithful to forgive us of all our sins, all our wrongs. Is it not powerful? Don't you love Jesus for what he, what he is? Yes, he is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive. To forgive. I said to forgive. To forgive you. He is faithful and just to forgive you. Yeah. So no matter what you have done, remember that he is faithful and just to forgive you. Believe in his forgiving ability. Actually, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, look at Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, then it says, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. It says we should forgive one another. How? Even as, for, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. So, God, because of Jesus, God has forgiven us of our sins. So, actually, you are even forgiven. You are the forgiven one. You are the one who is forgiven. You are the one whose sins will not be remembered anymore. I said it's like the Lord has decided that you, your sins are forgiven. And he will not remember your sin anymore. Can you imagine? Is it not a blessing? When you know that your sins are forgiven, you begin to you become grateful. The one who 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 loves who loves much is loves because he's forgiven much. Yes, that's what Jesus said. Wow. Go to Hebrews chapter eight, Hebrews eight ten. It says, "For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days," say the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I'll be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Verse 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Verse 12. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and, in their, and their iniquities will I remember no more. Ish. The Lord says, Your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. When you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. 
and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And remember no more your wrong, your sin. He doesn't remember it anymore. So when you come back and you say, Father, I did this three days ago, he doesn't remember what you're talking about. That is why you should not allow something you did in, your, in the past haunt you for the rest of your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe you did something wrong. You killed somebody. You did that about you have killed somebody or you don't know you have killed somebody. You killed somebody. <laughs> and now you are, you are a child of God. Or even then you were a child of God but you didn't really understand a lot of things. And now you understand. You're understanding the Bible small, small. But the Bible says that God has forgiven you and your sins and your iniquities will he remember no more. So believe in the fact that God has forgiven you. Believe in the forgiveness of the Lord. So that the devil does not keep accusing you because that is, that is one of the major things he does. He's an accuser. He's called the accuser of the brethren. The reason why you need Jesus as your lawyer is because there's another lawyer. There's another lawyer who is against you. He's called the prosecutor. He's against you. The prosecutor who is the accuser. Revelation chapter 12. Let me show it to you. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10. Let's read from verse 9 so that it makes more sense. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. He's called what? Devil and Satan. Go back. Devil and Satan. And he's called the, and the great dragon. He's, like, he's called the great dragon. Was cast out. The old, that old serpent. The old, he's the oldest serpent you can think about. Called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He's a deceiver. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse, verse 10. Then he says, And I heard a loud voice saying in the heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Why? For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Hey. He's called the accuser of our brethren. He can accuse you to me and accuse me to you and accuse you to yourself and accuse, it's, I mean, he, that's what he does deceiver, always saying things so all the bad thoughts that come to you concerning people, it's not from you it's not, they are not your thoughts, it's from the devil the devil brings things to your mind have you seen how she looked at you? have you seen how she didn't mind you? have you seen that she stepped on her leg and she didn't turn? to say sorry have you had it before? Have you, has, has it happened to you before? it's true yeah, it will come into your mind. <laughs> Look at this one. Look at how they have ignored you. They are not acknowledging you. You did that thing and they didn't say thank you. You have been in the church since 1975. They have never recognized your presence. Even when you don't come to church, nobody minds, nobody calls you. Hey, is it true what I'm saying? There's somebody called the accuser. Yes. The accuser. Yes. Accuser. That's his job. Always accusing you. When you do something wrong, he will start. First of all, he will lead you to do something wrong. Has it happened to you before? He will stir you up with feelings. With what? Feelings. Yes. When, when, when uh, uh, Satan deceived Eve. Eve was deceived. But Adam was not deceived. So it's not the woman's fault that we are where we are. You didn't do anything wrong. I mean, yeah. At all. Look at the closest lady by you and say, you didn't, it's not your fault. 
It's not ladies' fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. Yes. It is Adam's fault. Tell anybody, it is Adam's fault. It is Adam's fault. Uh, it's in the Bible, Second, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, it says, and Adam was not deceived. Adam was not deceived at all. Satan could not deceive him. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly. He knew who Satan was. He knew who God was. He knew what the, what the fruit was. He knew what the tree was. He knew everything. He knew. He was the one that God gave the instructions. He knew everything. But he decided. He decided that let's just eat it. The Lord will do something about it. That's what he decided. It is Adam. It is Adam. That's why the Bible says, for by one man, not by one woman, by one man. Who is that one man? Adam. Adam. <laughs> uh, so stop accusing the women. They have their own set of problems. Don't add this one to it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Ladies, am I, am I saying the truth? You have your own set of problems. Nobody should come and add this one to, to it. Like, oh, we felt that the whole world fell because of women. It's not true. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The woman was deceived. It was she who saw when she saw it was good to the eye and all of that. She partook of it. Then she gave to her husband. Her husband did not have any that experience. She knew he knew exactly what he was doing. And the world did not change when Eve partook of it. When Eve partook, nothing happened. It was after Adam ate it, then everything changed. Their eyes were open when Adam ate it. Yes. So stop accusing the women. Now, when when Satan came to uh, when Satan came to come and tell Eve all those things, and she 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 took the fruit, and Adam also took the fruit. When God came, He cursed the devil because the devil was in that snake. You know, He entered the snake. You see, uh, He cursed the snake, and He said something to the snake. He said that this is Genesis chapter three. Uh, Go down to verse 14. It says, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. So he was, a, he was a cattle before. Have you seen a cattle before in your life? A cattle has four legs. So he had four legs. Yes. Snakes were not created the way they are now. They were created with legs. Cattle. I'm not the one saying it's in the Bible. Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. And above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go. So the first thing was that you are not going to have legs anymore. Your legs. So if you look at snakes, they, if you look at, they have legs that have shrunk. Hey. <clears throat> legs they cannot use. It's in science. If you read, if you are a science student, you would, biology student, you would know. Yeah. You are cursed above every beast, whatever, and up every beast. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. So he started going on his belly, no legs. Now he uses his belly to move. Then he says, and dust shall thou eat all the days of your life. You will eat dust. Have you seen snakes eating dust? Like any dust eating snake? So God was not talking about eating dust. Like physical dust, literal dust. Like us. There are snakes don't eat dust. They don't eat dust. You can see a snake eating rats. A snake, if there's a python around, the python can come and eat. I remember in our secondary school, where the secondary school I went to, there was a python around who was eating, uh, uh, he was eating goats. He can eat a whole goat. Yes. The, the day we caught it, it had swallowed the goat, and it was there. It couldn't move. It was there waiting for the thing. It was waiting at the wrong place. <laughs> and, it, and it died. Hallelujah. 
Oh, he's not talking about dust, physical dust. He's talking about the component of man. Man was made out of dust. This flesh was made out of dust. Oh? So God was talking about how that Satan's enjoyment will be this flesh. <laughs> that is, yes, no wonder there, no wonder. That is why it's like you can you are high up in the spirit. When you stop staying in the spirit and you come down out of the spirit, you descend from the spirit small. Then you see that the, the serpent is coming to come and eat your flesh. She starts bringing some feelings into your system. Some thoughts into your mind. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. You see, the word soul is sax or sakikos in the, in the Greek. And it has to do with mind and flesh and body. So he, he brings things to your mind and brings things into your flesh. So he will tempt you. Put certain desires in your flesh. And then when you, when you act on it, you see, one of the things you should do is that you must learn to cut. Ask for the feelings there. It comes. Or you don't. Ah, ask for the feelings. Ask your neighbor. Charlie. Do you have any feelings at all? Does anything come to you? Does anything come to your mind? Does, does bad thoughts come to your mind? Some people are afraid of their neighbors. I don't know why they are not. They are not talking to their neighbors. They are just looking at their neighbors like that. Things come. Ask for the things that will come there. Plenty. Many. It's normal. It's normal. I mean, you have prayed in tongues. Malagadabaya. Early in the morning, you have done your quiet time. You are high up in the spirit. Melegroso. Malagda. Don't pray a meeting. Mazagadabayaba. Erabalaba. Abba, 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 Abba. Then you finish and you get out of your house. You have your bag. You are going. And then you see a lady coming. Shaking her buttocks, moving around. And then it just... It just enters your heart. Oh, this girl is final. Ah, was she created or she was made? Me. You see, as for the thought, it will come to you. Thoughts are like beds. They fly over our heads all the time. Thoughts are like what? Beds. They fly over our heads all the time. But do you allow a flying bird to make a nest on your head? No. Anybody carrying a nest this morning? There's a nest on your head, a bird nest. The bird is on your, on your head, reproducing, doing everything, buying fridge, buying air conditioning, cooking, and PC, and, and moving up and down. He has bought a car moving up and down your head. Is there anything like that? So you don't allow the thoughts to stay. Just like you don't allow a bird to make a nest on your head. If a bird is able to make a nest on your head, then it means that you are not moving. You are a statue. You are not moving in the spirit. Do you see? As long as you keep moving in the spirit and keep walking in the spirit, that thought cannot stay with you forever. So you are bought the thought. James, James chapter 1. Yes. James chapter 1, verse 14. He says, But let's go to verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted thee any man. But every man is tempted. So you, are, you get tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So you are drawn 
by your own lust and enticed. Where does the lust come from? The lust comes from the flesh. The stirrings in your flesh. Do you understand? Look at the next verse. Then when lust has conceived, so lust must conceive, it brings forth sin. And when sin, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So you are, when, you, when lust comes in, and you allow lust to be conceived, sin is what is going to be produced. And when sin is done with you, it's finished, it will bring forth death in your life. Are you in the church? Yeah. So what you need to do is to abort the whole process. It's lust conceived, then leading to sin and then to death. So when the lust comes, what do you do? You cut it. You cut what? You cut it. The last is a thought. The last is all those things that will come to you. As for the things that come to Oh, it doesn't come. Whether you are a pastor, you are a shepherd, you are a prophet, you are an archbishop, you are an archpope, a bishop, and you are a primate bishop, whatever it is that you are. There is no respect of persons. I mean, it will just come to you. Just like that. But what do you do? You, you can do something. Yes, you can do something. By the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, I'm not going to go along this line. This, this line, I know it. I know where it ends. It's death. For the wages of sin is death. So I'm not going, please. This journey, I'm not going. They also do not give the devil a foothold in your life. So you don't give him a foot. Do you understand? When it's, you don't create that space for him. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. The thought comes. You saw to whom to, to whom from to whom do you blow? For to whom? Whatever. It's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Thank God for. I mean, all these things. Charlie's beautiful women. They are wonderful. It's, blue. it's wonderful. Bless them. Bless them. Malagabayaba. Then you go back. Malagabayaba. Sagadabaya. Regedebe. That's all. Yes. The thought of, 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 of hatred of somebody comes to your mind. Do you see? What do you do? Bible says, pray, pray for those who, who despitefully use you. Yes, bless all those who curse you. Maybe someone is doing something and it's whatever. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And then he says, bless those who curse you. So when the thought comes of you doing something, break a leg or let me do, let me set a trap for her. Do you see? All you pray, you pray that something should fall into trouble. Let me disgrace her. You don't continue on that thought. You're like, no, no, it's okay. Charlie, yeah, she did something bad, but. I was forgiven by Jesus. I was forgiven by God because of Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of Jesus Christ, I also forgiven. Yes, I'm also forgiven here because of Jesus. She's a child of God too. If she's not a child of God today, she's going to be a child of God on these days. So let me pray for her to become a child of God. That's all. And then you move on with your life. So Jesus Christ is our lawyer. So that when the accuser, go back to that place, the accuser of our brethren, the accuser, the word accuser, let me show you the Greek word. Do you like Greek words? Yeah. The word accuser is kategeo, kategerio. Kategorio. I'm not a Greek, so forgive me. K-A-T-E-K-A-T-E-J-O-R-E-O. With a dash on the O. The last O. Okay? K-A-T-E-J-O-R-E-O. Kategorio. And it means to accuse before a judge. Yes, to accuse before a judge. To be a plaintiff. Hmm? Do you know a plaintiff? The one who brings a charge. To charge with an offense. To charge someone with an offense. Do you see? That's what Satan is. 
Well, Satan is a huge accuser. And he's the one who stirs up things for you to be accused. So when you do something wrong, then he rises up. Do you see? Uh-huh. And you need an advocate. You need someone. You need a lawyer to talk on your behalf. So go back to 1 John chapter 1, where we're reading. Let me show you these things. It says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. This is verse 10 now. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Next verse. My little children, these things write down to you, that you sin not. So he doesn't want you to do something wrong. God doesn't want you to do anything wrong. He says, the instruction from God is that don't sin. My little children, these things write so that you sin not. But after saying that so that you sin not, he makes another provision for you and I. He says, if, because he knows. He knows where you are. He knows that you are growing. He knows that you may, have an, you may have a problem. So he says, and if any man, if, not when, if, if he had used when, then it's like it's a promise. Definitely you are, you are. He said, if, on condition that you should do something wrong, okay, and always remember that he's talking to little children. My little children, these things write on you that you sin not. And if any man sin, if any of us should do anything wrong, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate. We have a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Next verse. And he is a propitiation for our sins, or the mercy seat for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the, whole, the sins of the whole world. This is what Jesus is. So we have an advocate with the Father. Now, what does Jesus do? Can I show you what our lawyer does? First of all, our lawyer is a righteous lawyer. Remember, go back. Go back to verse 1. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's called Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the very embodiment of righteousness. He's the righteous. Why? Because he was tempted with all, in all points, yet without sin. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. Let's read Hebrews chapter 4 first. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's read from verse 14. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our confession. I mentioned this the last time. Next verse, verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in all points. Everything, every point that you are tempted with, Jesus has also been tempted with that same point. Are you in the church? Yeah. Ask Odeba, what have you been tempted with before? Tell Odeba, I'm waiting for an answer. Say something. Or you don't say anything. I will don't say anything. You never know. Maybe you to create confusion. Don't say anything. You can only say it to your pastor. Don't say it to anybody. Hey. She has said it. Yeah. He says, Jesus was tempted in what? In all points, like us, we are, yet without sin. You see, he was tempted in all points, yet he didn't do anything wrong. That is why he's the righteous. Every point. So the point you were tempted in that you failed, he, he did not fail. He passed. Why did he pass it? He passed so that he can help you. So that when you are going through the feeling of the infirmity, the feeling, and the pro- when you are going through the process, he can help you jump the hedo like he jumped the hedo when he was here on earth. Do you understand what I just said? Yeah. He has jumped all the hedos you are going to jump in your life. 
so that when you are about to jump that hurdle, if you jumped it once and you failed, and you hit it, and then you came back, and you hit it again, and you came back, and you hit it again, you came back. You have hit it like 10 times, you have come back. Remember that somebody is called the righteous. He's called Jesus Christ. He's the one who was tempted in all points. He faced that same battle you are facing and climbed over it successfully. Why did he climb over it successfully? So that he can come back and come and help you climb up successfully. So he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer who has gone through the accusations you are going through today. He's a lawyer who was faced with the problems you are faced with today and jumped it so that he can become a lawyer and help you show you the way to jump over. Do you understand? Jump, the way to jump over. I mean, there's nothing like someone giving you directions to a particular place. You are passing in front of the house, you can't see the house. And then someone comes to tell you that this is the house. Let's go. To, and it's not that he's showing you the direction, he's just taking you gradually through. He takes you to the house. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus says. Go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him, or he liked it, he liked it to be, he decided to be made like unto his brethren, unto men, unto us. For what purpose? So that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. So Jesus is a me- merciful, and he's a faithful high priest. He's merciful, he's full of mercy. Why? Because he knows that you may, you do something wrong. And he knows how it feels like to go through that challenge that you are going through. He knows, he has all the feelings. All the feelings, like this thing I can't resist. He's also had that. I was like, ah, Charlie. Charlie, it's not easy. It's not easy, but I resist it. He said I resist it, and it worked. So he can help you say, I also resist it, and it will work. So that you are not at the mercy of sin, and at the mercy of accusations. Because the devil can accuse you, and you can hang yourself. Do you know that, do you know that if Judas had stayed alive, until Jesus purchased redemption, and rose on the dead, he would have been saved? Do you know he would have been saved? If he had come back to come and say sorry, he would have been saved. Because what Judas did and what Peter did, there's not much, much of a difference. Peter's own was even worse. Peter looked at Jesus' face and said, because he said, you know him. He said, I swear. I swear the father of heaven and earth. I swear my own father. I've never seen this man before in my life. I've never seen him. Then someone said, no, you've seen him. You, you, I know you are one of his guys. He said, your face like uh, uh, how do you say that in English? Sports abenkwai. What do you sport soup? What do you mean? I'm not the one who like oh, my friend, get out. And the third time, you know him. You are you are one of his guys. You even look like him. He lay on the floor and rolled up and down. As I'm rolling, I'm cursing. As I'm rolling, he's cursing. As I'm rolling, I'm cursing you. I'm cursing you now. I've never seen this gentleman in my life. And the Bible says that Jesus' eyes and his eyes met. When he saw it, the way Jesus' eyes were, and he, the, the cock, is it crow, crew, or cr- whatever? The cock did what? Crew. Crew, 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 The cock made noise. <laughs> Look at this. It says, and the Lord, this is Luke chapter 22, verse 6. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Their eyes met. He looked at him. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me thrice. He couldn't bear it. Could that, Peter couldn't bear it. Same night, he couldn't bear it. He cried. Cried. So when Jesus rose from the dead, and the ladies came to say that Jesus has risen from the dead, when Peter heard it, he started running to the tomb to go and check. 
with speed. He was going, and John also followed. As Peter was going, he started slowing down. And John came to pass him by. It's all in the Bible. John wrote about it. Says, so they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. Peter could not run anymore. He just he start, he was running with speed initially. Then he started remembering how he had denied Jesus. Then he started asking himself, What will I do? What will I say when I see him? What will he do? Will he beat me? What? I'm a, I, then he started slowing down. He wanted John to at least meet him first while he would cool him down. Because John was the one he told to lean on Jesus. He was telling him, Charlie, ask Jesus who's the one who's going to betray you. Do you see? He wanted John to meet him first so that John can cool Jesus down before he comes. Yes. But he was forgiven. When Jesus rose on the dead, he said that he told one of the angels that came that he should tell his disciples and Peter that he's, around, he's going to his father and to their father, to his God and to their God, to let Peter know that he has been forgiven. Yes. You see? Jesus is a merciful high priest. He's gone through all the problems you can think about. So he's merciful and he's faithful. For what? To forgive you. To help you jump over all the problems. Go back to that place. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus, Jesus likes you. He loves you. And he's around to help you. Do you see? Yes. First of all, to not go through any problem. And when you go through a problem, he rises up. Yes. I'll show it to you. Wherefore, in all things, he behoved it to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. I'll talk about this in a few seconds. Next verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted. He himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to also help. The word to call is help. He's also to, able to help them that are tempted. So Jesus is able to help you when you are, te- when you are tempted. He's a lawyer who is there to help you. I, I don't know. A lawyer is not only to defend you in, in court. A lawyer is also to help you not get to court. Degree, where are you? Where are the lawyers? Is it true what I'm saying? If you are going to sign a document, is it not wisdom to look for a lawyer to prepare the document for you and make things work so that you don't make a mistake? Yes, please, Daddy. It is. Because if you don't do that, what happens is that you go and commit to things that you did not even know meant what they meant on the paper. Yeah. You end up in court right now. So a lawyer is not only to take you to, 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 be, to defend you at court. A lawyer is there to prevent you from getting to the court so that you are accused and have a problem. So his job is to prevent us from getting into trouble so that it's like that now you go through you go through a phase where I know someone did something wrong and for one year the person did not go to church because, because of something the person did. One year, one whole year, no church. And she ended up into all kinds of things, more problems. Now, restoring her was so difficult. Is it because she, she had forgotten that she has a lawyer who can help her and prevent her from getting into the trouble to start with? We have a lawyer. This is BBE. Hebrews 2.18. He says, for having been put to the test himself, he's able to give help to others when they are tested. When you are tested, he's there to give you help. Are you in the church you are going on? Yes. That's, that's his job. To help you. So that you don't have a life of falling and then rising, falling and rising, falling. You're, you're just all the time you're doing confessions. Father, when we say confession, you only think of confession of sins. I mean, no, it's more than confession of sins. Message version. Message version. Okay. Message version. He says he would have already experienced all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. 
He gives you help where help is needed. Depression tried knocking on Jesus' doors. Depression, Jesus had depression trying to overtake him. And he jumped over depression. So he, he did, that's why he can help you to jump over depression. Jesus had bad thoughts coming to him. And he overcame bad thoughts so that he can help you to overcome bad thoughts. What does this English say? Wow. Are we reading the Bible or we have gone Hallelujah. we are reading something else? Is it all in the Bible? Or is it in the Bible? Hallelujah. Is it in the Bible? Yeah. Hallelujah. Is it English? Hello? Hallelujah. Okay, so is it English? The devil, God's enemy, tried to make Jesus himself do wrong things. But Jesus did not do anything wrong because he never stopped obeying God. So now he can help us not to do wrong things. Wow. Now he can help us. Not to, to do, do wrong, wrong things. things. So that's his first, one of his first roles as our lawyer. To help us not get into spaces that will bring us problems. That will make the accuser, the, uh, the oppos- opposing lawyer, have an advantage over you. Now, if you should do something wrong, he's also a lawyer to defend you in the law courts. How does Jesus defend us in the law courts? Can I show it to you how he defends Jesus defends us by showing his hands. He defends us by showing us the print, showing the devil, the print. when the devil is accusing you and saying that, this girl deserves to die. That's what happens. There are many times the devil has decided that you, you have to die because of something that you did. Do you see? For instance, in Luke, when Peter, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus said something concerning Peter. He says, and the Lord said to said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. The word desired, okay, has to do with asking on legal basis. The devil asks for you on legal basis. When you do something, he, the, you, you are, there, are legal, there are spiritual legalities that you go against when you do something wrong. Do you see? Huh. Yes. He, he, so he asks for, he says, Satan has desired to have you. He has asked for you vehemently that he may sift you as wheat. He may separate you from yourself. But I have prayed for you. Next verse. Yeah. But I have prayed for you that your faith will fail not. Your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen your brethren. Have you seen it? Huh. Why, why, why did Satan have the right? You see, Jesus did not say that Satan is asking for you, but I will not give you to him. Satan got Simon on legal, legal grounds. He asked for, and he got him. Jesus didn't say, I'll pray for you so that you don't go to the temptation. He said, I've prayed for you so that your faith will not fail. After going to the temptation, your faith will not fail. What was the temptation? When Jesus said that he is going to die, Peter took Jesus aside and started rebuking him and saying that, you, stop saying those things. Small boy, you are just 30, 33. Why, why are you going to die for what? Die for the way. My friend, stop talking like that. Now that we have come into power, you want to leave. What are you talking about? He started rebuking Jesus. And Jesus said to him, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, Jesus is looking at Peter, and he calls Peter Satan. He didn't say, get thee behind me, Satan that is talking. It's Satan. Yes. Get thee behind me. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Do you see? Yes. So, after this had happened, Jesus said again that 
I'm going to die. And all of you deny me. And Peter said that even if everybody should deny you, me, I will not deny you. After this one, he said, even if everybody should deny you, me, I'm not going to deny you. Never. Never. Over my dead body. Yes. It's called overconfidence. Pride. You see, Peter was in pride. He entered into pride. And when you enter into pride, that is the area of the devil. The devil has a legal right to take advantage of you. Yes. Yes. Matthew 26, verse 35. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise, also said all the disciples. But Peter was the main guy. Yes. And Jesus said that, listen, before, before morning, you would, have, you would have denied me three times. I mean, if Jesus has said it to you, what do you, what do you, what do, you do? Go and sleep. Go and sleep. Lock your door, throw the key away, and go under a blanket and sleep throughout the night. Or, Lord, help me. I mean, Jesus has said that this is what will happen and you are, you are moving around. He was moving around confidently, following Jesus. And he fell into the, te- the temptation. And he, was, he, was, he had a problem. He's trying to prove himself that he's a very wild guy. But he couldn't, he couldn't stand. He was afraid. Because he was trying to do it by himself. Self of, self-effort puts you into the environment of the devil for the devil to be able to accuse you. So when, when you do something wrong, the devil starts to, tries to accuse you. And Jesus defends you by showing his sacrifice. Okay? He shows what? His sacrifice. Now I want to show you the things that Jesus shows to be a lawyer for you. Jesus is a great propitiation or reconciler for our sins. He shows the devil that he's already paid in full for the errors we commit. He shows the print of his nails. The print of the nails in his hands and feet. He shows his pierced side. And he shows his blood which has eternal efficacy. So that we can be spared. That's what he does. Now, in Romans chapter 3, look at Romans chapter 3, verse 24 to 25. Romans 3, 24. Look at it. It says, and being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It says, we are justified freely or we are declared not guilty freely by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now, the word propitiation, have you seen the word propitiation? The word propitiation, okay, in the Greek, uh, I don't want to, it's three words that are used for propitiation at different places, and that's what I want to show to you, okay? So, this particular one is helasterion. Hmm. Helasterion is spelled H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. Helasterion, H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. Helasterion. Okay? And it means the sacrifice. The sacrifice and the blood of the sacrifice. You know, in the Old Testament, the priest needed a sacrifice. If you come to the priest without a sacrifice, you are a joke. You must come to the priest with a lamb, with a bull, depending on what you are supposed to bring. The priest cannot do anything without the sacrifice. Okay? The sacrifice is the means by which you receive your forgiveness. You get it? Now, in the New Testament, Jesus became the sacrifice. Eh? Jesus became what? 
the sacrifice. So Jesus is the sacrifice. He is a sacrifice. Or is, it, is it not Jesus who was sacrificed for our sins to be forgiven? So Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is also the high priest. The sacrifice is what brings propitiation. Is what the blood of the sacrifice is what brings us our forgiveness. And Jesus is that sacrifice. Do you see? Yeah. Apart from that, the high priest needs to also sacrifice. If the high priest has a problem, the sacrifice will not make any difference. The sacrifice can be pure and good and nice. But if the high priest has a problem, it's not going to work. Jesus is also our high priest. Okay? Now, look at um, 1 John 2.2. 2. And he's a propitiation. See that this one to the word propitiation. He says, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Have you seen it? Yeah. Go to Romans 3.25. Romans 3.25. Whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith. This propitiation is not the same as the other propitiation. This propitiation has to do with the sacrifice and the blood of the sacrifice. Then the one in 1 John 2 2 has to do with the high priest. So he says, Jesus, apart from Jesus being the sacrifice, Jesus is also the high priest. So he is a propitiation. The word propitiation here has to do with the high priest, the one through whom, the one through whom the blood is sacrificed. I don't know if you get it. So Jesus is also the high priest. And he's the propitiation. In other words, Jesus is the high priest through whom propitiation comes for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole the sins of the whole world. Then in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, where we read, look at Hebrews 2, 17. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. To make the word reconciliation is also propitiation. Okay? Uh-huh. So the one in 1 John 2.2, 2, the Greek word, let me show you the Greek word. I didn't show you the Greek word. The one in 1 John 2.2 2 is helasmos. Okay? H-I-L-A-S-M-O-S. Helasmos. Hallelujah. H-I-L-A-S-M-O-S. Helasmos. And that means that he is the, he's the what? He's the high priest. He's the executor. Yes, the high priest. Okay? Then the one in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, where I just showed you, which is translated as reconciliation, so that he can make reconciliation for, for the sins of the people, is Helaskumai. Helaskumai. H I, are you seeing it? Yes. H I L A S K O M I M A I. Helaskumai. Okay? H I L A S K O M A I. Helaskumai. And that has to do with. The one who receives the sacrifice and declares not guilty. That is the place of God. So Helaskoma is God. Okay? Helasmos is the high priest who brings a sacrifice or the executor. And Helasterion is the sacrifice. Are you saying it? Helasterion is what? The sacrifice. Now, Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is the high priest and Jesus is the one who declares not guilty. Do you understand? Jesus is what? The sacrifice. He is the high priest and he is the one who declares not guilty. He is the one who sits on the mercy seat and declares after he sees the he sees the blood of the lamb on the mercy seat. He says that okay, we are done. There's no problem. 
He's everything. He's a sacrifice. He's a high priest who brings. And then he's the one who declares not guilty. So when Satan rises and says that, Mawina did this. Because of what Mawina did, it's finished. Jesus just shows up and says, brother, are you okay? I am the sacrifice. I am the high priest. And I am the one who declared him not guilty. Look at the print of the nails of my hands. Look at my side. Look at my blood. What are you talking about? Clear off. I sing it. So he's, he's our great advocate who never loses a case. He never loses a case when it comes to the forgiveness of your sins. And when it comes to, he tells the devil, listen, this lady was forgiven. This is my blood. My blood has removed. Look at Hebrews, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the, the faithful with, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, our sins in his own blood, he washed us from both our the, the nature of sin and also from the fruit of sin in his own blood. He's our, so he tells the devil, listen, I washed them from their sins in my blood. What is your problem? This one is not guilty. You cannot do anything about it. Now, what you need to do is to believe what I've just told you. And believe the fact that you have an advocate who does this for you. So that you don't allow condemnation. That is why in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, he says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not in the flesh but after the spirit. There is no condemnation for you. You must believe that there is no condemnation for you. You must believe that when you do something wrong and you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And to defend you. And to absorb you from all guilt. Or else the devil will be accusing you all the time. You'll be sitting at home and you'll be crying. And you'll never grow. Because you allow the devil to use something you did. Five years ago, it's sad. Five people, someone did something five years ago. Still, the accusation comes to your mind. And you're still crying about it today. You'll be there and it'll come to your mind. Do you remember what you even when you're, especially when worshiping God? When you lift up your you can't feel free to worship God. Why? Because of something you did. You did. You can't receive from God. Because you don't feel free. There's no freedom in your heart. You think God has tagged you. Because of something you it's like the devil is like, oh, me, I'm not a good person anymore. When we call you to become a shepherd, me, shepherd what? Shep what? Shepherd or shepherd? What, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. I'm not. Me lead prayer. I should lead where? Lead what? Pray, pray what? Me. No, no, no. Jaman, you don't know me. Eh? You don't know me. You don't know me. Me, I'm a bad person. Eh? The things I've done. Eh? Hmm. You see, the more you condemn yourself, the deeper you go into error. On and on. On and on. Because you, 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 feel, you feel you are not good. You feel you are good for nothing. So let's, let's just continue. And the devil keeps using you. Before you realize, you wake up in hell one of these days. Mm. Yes. Believe in what God has done for you. Believe in what Jesus is doing for you now. Believe in the fact that he's your lawyer who shows his, his hands and his side and his legs 
and tells the devil that, listen, she's mine. She has been absorbed from all these things. You can't use this as, as, as something against him. My friend, keep quiet. Yes, He's cleansed. I've made him free from sin. Yes, the law, the sort of life in Christ has made him free from, from, from sin and death. He's free from sin and death. He made an error. He committed an error. But I solved that error. I paid for that error. I paid for the sin. I paid for what he did. I paid for that. I paid for that thing that she did. I paid for that thought that came into her mind. I paid for the gossip that she gossiped. I paid for all those things. You can't do anything about it. Yes. Believe in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Believe, so, or else you can't save God. You can't save God. Meanwhile, it is, service, it is our serving God that is the most important thing to him. God has cleansed us and made the way straight so that we can have confidence and boldness. Look at, go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and, and verse 15 and 16. Eh? For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us we are yet without sin. Next verse. Let us therefore come boldly. It says, because Jesus is a high priest and he's the one seated at the right hand of God as your advocate, as your lawyer, he says, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. Come boldly. So he gives you confidence to come boldly. You know when you do something or you don't know whether you can, God will accept you or God, what, I mean, what is, God, what is God going to think? You are shy. You are afraid. This is what we are taught in second in, in, in Sunday school. But it's not, it's not, it's not correct. Let me say the English. God is here. God is at home. God is here. God is everywhere. If you do sin, he will see, he will hear, he will write. If you do sin, he will see who hear, he will write. He won't bless you never. He will never bless you. Die. He will never bless you. That's what the song says in English. Hey! But God is not, God is here. God is at home. God is everywhere to help you. To, to help as your advocate. To help you to overcome the wrong. To help you come back to him when you do something wrong. So that you can have boldness. He's there to help you have boldness. Let us therefore come boldness unto the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. You need to come and obtain mercy when you do something wrong. Some people cannot come for the mercy because they feel that they cannot be forgiven. What I did was extreme. Listen, if you are not dead, there's still hope for you. There's hope for you. Yes, there's still hope for you. He's a God, he's a faithful high priest, he's a merciful high priest. And he's there to help you obtain mercy and to receive grace, to have help in time of your need, when the time comes. So there are two things he does. There are two things our advocate does. He helps you to jump over wrong. When there's a problem, he helps you. With grace to help you jump. Then when you do something wrong, he is there to bring you to get mercy. He's a mercy white priest who brings you to have mercy, to obtain mercy, so that you can receive forgiveness. Romans chapter 4. Look at Romans chapter 4. I think verse 6. Paul talks about the one, the blessedness of the one. Eh? Verse 6 says, Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. 
and whose sins are covered. You are blessed because your sins are forgiven. Always remember that God, God has absolved me from all wrongs, from all sin, no matter what happens. You see, this is for all those who are working with God. As you are working with God, something may happen. Not intending for, I'm not saying you are going out there looking for problems. You are going, okay, so where's the next thing that we can do? Because of what the Lord has done, we can do whatever we do. That is not what he's saying. Grace does not teach us to be foolish. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that, the, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us, the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. He teaches us. So grace does not teach us to do foolish things. Paul says, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. That's not what he means. We are not trying to say that, oh, now you know that Jesus is your advocate, whatever you can do, whatever you want to do. No, I'm trying to show you that if you should fall, in your walk with God, if you should fall, because you see, if you're a real child of God, you have a desire to go with God and not hate God. Or you are not children of God. That is why when you do something wrong, you feel bad. Like, man, how I wish I could walk with God and not have any problems and be like Jesus on earth. That's what God wants for you. This is right down to you. That you sin not. That's what he desires for you. That's what he desires. But he says, if any man should sin, if he should fall into trouble, if something happens, if without, I mean, you just had a problem, forgive yourself. Forgive what? Because God has forgiven you. Ask for forgiveness and forgive yourself. And forget what has happened. So that you can continue working with him. This is the problem with a lot of Christians. They can't, they can't, they can't, they can't, they can't forgive themselves. You can't accept forgiveness. You can't accept forgiveness. Because it's like what you did is so wild. You feel it's like, and the devil, the devil, the devil is the one who makes it break. He magnifies it. Look at what you did. Like you deserve hell. You deserve hell. You. You say you're a Christian. You feel like paying for your sins. And you feel like paying for your sins. You yeah, but you can't pay for your sins. You, you can't. That is why Jesus came. Hey. Hey. Lord. Thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ. To die for me. Yes. Jesus is there as your advocate. Reminding the devil. Can you imagine? Remind him. Listen. It's been dealt with. So you to know that has been done. Join him. Join him in reminding him. When the devil tries to accuse, tell him, my friend, my friend, we know you. Already we know you. Get out. Get out. Yes. Your mouth like a BMW. Come on, get out. Yes. Yes. So that you can serve God the way he wants to. You can be free. You can be free. There are many people who are bound. Bound with many things. Accusations. Guilt, plus strong guilt. Yes. 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 Get into depression, all kinds of things, because of something that happened. We have a lawyer. See, I have a lawyer. I have a lawyer with God. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Yes. He's defending me. Say, He's defending me. Yes. He's defending me. Remember, always remember it. That's why God is teaching you. To remember that I have, a, I have an advocate with the Father. I have a lawyer with the Father. He's with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Nobody can bring a charge against me. Romans chapter 8. Look at Romans chapter 8. Let's read from verse 30. From verse 31. Yes. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, 
The judge, the judge who is supposed to say you are guilty, is actually for you. The judge is for you. The judge is your father. Apart from that, the judge is the one who made, who planned all the things that will absorb you for him to declare you not guilty. He planned it. If, what shall we send it to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? He who, next verse. He who he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Next verse. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who can bring an accusation to the charge of God's elect? Who can bring an accusation? The, the accuser of the brethren has failed. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. In other words, it is God that declared not guilty. God declared you not guilty a long time ago. 2,000 years ago when Jesus sacrificed, God declared you not guilty. Wow. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. It is God that justifies. It is God that declares not guilty. God has declared you not guilty. Not guilty. See, I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. Next verse, verse, verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? Who can condemn? Don't condemn yourself. I refuse. It includes you. Don't condemn yourself. Don't let the devil condemn you. When you do something wrong, remember that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive. Who is it that condemned? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Who also says that he's, he's absorbed? He's absorbed. He's absorbed. He's absorbed. My blood is speaking for him. You can't do anything to him. You can't touch him. Yes. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. Wow. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, say the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds. In their minds will I write unto them. Next verse. And their sins, verse 7, says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember. This is the blessings of the Lord for you as a child of God. Remember what David said. The blessedness of the one to whom sins are not imputed. Go back to that place. So I will put these two together. Romans chapter 4, go to verse 7. Romans 4, 7. It says, Seeing blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. It is a blessing. This is the blessing that the Lord has made available for you. When it comes to you doing wrong, he has brought a certain blessing to you that your sins, your iniquities and your sins, your, he says, whose iniquities, your iniquities are forgiven and your sins are covered. And he says, I will not remember it anymore. Romans chapter, chapter 10, verse 17. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Believe in these things. Verse 18, look at verse 18. Believe in these things. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. He has sacrificed for you. There's no more. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, you have boldness to enter, to enter, to come in to come in so that there's no problem you can be a child of God 24 7 not five hours in the day or two days in one one month you can be a child of God all the time remember 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 that you have an advocate with the father Christ Jesus the righteous who is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world say I'm forgiven I'm blessed I'm forgiven I'm blessed to be forgiven Jesus has done it all for me I will not walk in condemnation Say it like you mean. I will not walk in the condemnation. I will not walk in condemnation. The spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I walk in righteousness. I walk in righteousness all the days of my life. I'm a child of God. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 30 days in a month. All the throughout the year. Yes, I procure forgiveness for myself because he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Give the Lord a shout if you have a voice. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.